Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is Eli Sussman, Managing Editor at Fish Stripes, the community for Miami Marlins fans. If you've been following along with Fish Stripes recently, you know we've launched two new podcast shows, Earning Their Stripes, which focuses on the entire minor league system of the Marlins, international free agency that draft anything about the long-term future of the organization, and A-Ball with Eric Ose, that's specifically on the low-A Clinton Lumber Kings affiliate and all the developing talent down there. This is our longest-running show, Fish Bites, episode 14 right here, and we're going to keep the focus on the major league team and all the big-picture issues affecting the organization. On this episode in particular, we're checking in on Wednesday night, April 10th, entering the game at 3-8. and eight. The Marlins are last place in the NL East, uh, but they've had some interesting overachievers so far, some disappointments on the team as well, so we're going to go through that. Also looking at uh, yeah some of the big-picture things with the organization entering this year, um, and where they stand moving forward. Uh, one thing in particular that I want to weigh in on is the new ballpark. And is, well, not the new stadium, but the enhanced ballpark that entering the 2019 season, what we saw during the first homestand. And to help me do all that, I'm bringing in Alex Contreras. Uh, he's really been just a terrific asset to us so far this season. And he spent more time at the ballpark entering this uh, first homestand than anybody else. So I think he's a good authority on what is going on right now with the team. And first off, we're just going to pay attention to what's happening on the field. Alex, on the field, uh, who are the players so far that you would consider the most pleasant surprises for the Marlins? Hands down, Curtis Granderson. The veteran has stepped in. He's, uh, he's playing the game the right way. He's always reminded guys, you know, to just have fun. Um, this guy has stepped in hit a key home run in the bottom of the ninth, or top of the ninth, I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, hopefully he rubs off the right way on Lewis Brinson. That's the idea, not only on him and the, the younger guys are looking forward. Um, who else am I impressed with? Sandy Alcantara and Trevor Richards, by far. Uh, Alcantara had a couple walks his last time out. But, hey, what, look at his first start. He went eight deep on a beautiful Sunday in Miami. So that contributed to a shutout. Uh, looking at this Marlins team, yeah, we're three and eight, but it couldn't. It's not so bad. We can easily have five wins. Uh, we had a couple bad luck innings, unfortunately, but hey, that's baseball. We're gonna go through growing pains with this baseball team, but they're the fighting fish. We're gonna learn to love them. We're gonna remember that. Hey, Brinson, you had an error, but you're gonna forget about that when he hits a home run. He hits a game win, game winning hit. You know what I mean? Everybody, it's baseball. You always have a clean slate the next day. Um, Trevor Richards, that changeup, Jesus, everybody in baseball is finding out about that changeup. The whole word's out. As far as disappointments, uh, hands down, you know, the obvious, the rhetorical question is uh, Wei Yen Chen. Unfortunately, the veteran, ha- he's, he's in a tough situation. He's trying to get it together. He's, he's doing his best. Um, we can only hope that he can figure it out in the pen. Um, another guy that's kind of disappointing, Peter O'Brien. You know, it was kind of sad seeing that he didn't make the team off the rip. I know nobody was more hurt than him. I know that he was expecting to make the team, and a lot of people were because he was being campaigned heavily all over Miami. And uh, it was a little bit of a shock to see him be sent down to AAA. But, hey, it's a long season, and we saw him up in less than a week. And uh, he's only connected on one home run. Everything else it looks like he's just chopping at trees, man. It's, it's, it's a little bit hard to see, you know. Um, you wish that these guys, you know, they're trying really hard to keep it together. Unfortunately, uh, they haven't had the luck. Uh, 
Brian Anderson hasn't had the best luck either. He's been hitting the ball very hard. Um, right. I know we expect a very big year out of him, but hey, it's baseball. You know, some of those balls are going to fall. Sometimes you'll hit line drives and they'll be right at guys. And sometimes you'll hit Texas leaguers and they'll drop and it'll look like a line drive RBI base hit the next day on the, on the, on the newspaper. Yeah. And I mean, going back to what you said with Chen, uh, we're speaking as he's coming off one of the worst relief outings in Marlins history. Uh, and, you know, it was hurt by a little bad defense at the beginning, but then he just couldn't keep the ball in the yard. He gave four home runs. Uh, but what happens is, one reason why I was kind of pessimistic about the team this year is I did not like the bullpen at all. Like I, they, uh, they traded Nick Whitgren over the off season. They traded Kyle Bearclaw over the off season. They traded Brad Ziegler down the stretch last season. And they just did not have a lot of experience at all outside of Sergio Romo. And uh, they were putting a lot of unproven guys into really important situations. Not Chen. Chen is the one they're hiding for these mop-up roles. But what I've been impressed by early on were some of the relief pitchers that uh, were not as heralded as as Romo and not as established. The fact that they've gotten such good work out of Nick Anderson, who they got really quietly in a trade from the Twins. Uh, he's he. I mean, to me, I think he's the best reliever in the bullpen. I mean, so far he's been right up there with anyone. He's only allowed one run. He has the highest strikeout rate of anybody on the team. Just an excellent combo of a mid nineties fast a mid nineties fastball and then this like low eighties slider. It's a really big differential that you can't prepare for if you're a hitter because of how different those pitches move. Uh, so he's someone that's really surprised me in a good way, but so has Tyron Guerrero, because if you remember last year, he was a guy that was impossible to miss because of the velocity he had hitting one Oh two, one Oh three. And he may have even had a pitch at one Oh four last year. Like he is a special arm, no doubt, but if you look at the bottom line results that he had last season, they were not good. He was a below average reliever, an ERA in the mid fives. He was a guy that was susceptible to just letting a game get away from him. Uh, there were certain nights where he couldn't throw a strike other nights where even though he still had that fastball velo, it was getting crushed. And he, he overall, he just was not an effective reliever as a rookie last year. And he's really taken a step up so far this year. He enters Wednesday having not allowed a run at all this year. And the walks are down in control. And I think the most important thing to me is that he's trusting his second pitch. Aside from the fastball, he's trusting the slider a little bit more. He's using it. And uh, I think that's one thing like you pay attention to with this coaching staff when they have these players that have limited track records or, you know, just not a lot on their resume is you want them to teach and you want them to reinforce like some good habits. And you want these players to grow from where they were at the start of the year or where they were when they entered the organization. And the fact that, they've given him the confidence to use both of his pitches, both the fastball and the slider, and even as a changeup at times. But the fact that he's growing into a more complete pitcher and just overall, you want to see these players become more complete players. And uh, I, I think that's going to be one of the big tests of the season is like how many of these young guys end up adding to their skill sets and, you know, overall being more valuable because uh, they add to what they had and they're not, and they develop into really, refined players underneath Don Mattingly, but also all these new coaches that they brought in. Absolutely. Uh, another guy that, that really, that I, that I like, we've seen very little of is Tyler Kinley. What do you think about him? He's got a nice ERA. He's at a 1.35 ERA. He's yeah, been in six games, six innings. Not, not too shabby. You know, it's still too early to judge, but this guy's getting the opportunity. and That's what it's about in, in the Miami bullpen. Yeah, and they were lucky with him because he was scooped up 
a year and a half ago in the Rule 5 draft. They Another team took him. All they had to do was hold on to him in the major leagues last season, the Twins, and they would have had the rights to him long-term, and he really struggled out of the gate. The Twins thought they were contending, and they lost patience, and he came back into the system. He made his debut late last year, and he's, uh, he's another guy that he's a South Florida guy, and that's something that we've actually seen from this team a little bit more uh, these past two seasons compared to where they used to be is they kind of, they prioritize ones that have South Florida roots. Uh, I mean, not some of it maybe is pandering to the fan base a little bit, like uh, it, seeing somebody that comes from this part, this community um, makes you more likely to root for their success, I guess. But uh, I think more so they just want ones who are familiar with what it's like to play down here and train down here. And he's one of those guys that was, from here um he, and like Guerrero and like uh, Nick Anderson he's someone that's in his late 20s already he's uh you might not get all that much better than you are right now but the fact is if you're getting everybody out right now then you're a really valuable player so that's encouraging uh but I, I need to flip to the other side uh for some of my disappointments and I guess I'll be more specific that there's like little things I see from certain players that are gonna have to be ironed out during the season if this season is going to be in any way successful. And that's with uh, really the plate discipline from a lot of the guys in the lineup. The fact that this team is dead last in drawing walks in the national league. And you have entering this game, you have guys in Lewis Brinson and Jorge Alfaro and JT Riddle that haven't drawn a single walk this entire season. And now a week and a half into the year, when you, when you get this far into the year and you face, what is this their fourth different team? you're going to go into seeing pitchers that don't have great control. And if you're getting ahead in the count this far into the year and you're playing every day, it's not really acceptable to not be drawing a single walk when you, because as you were saying with uh, Brian Anderson, that's kind of true. And it's true for several of these guys is they have hit into a little bit of bad luck and the data kind of backs it up that they're hitting the ball hard. is just not finding a hole and that's understandable and um, that you can't really fault them for that. But there's going to be sometimes where you just don't get a pitch to hit, or you don't get a pitch to hit in the count that you want, and you got to be willing to take a walk. You got to be willing to, you know, pass the baton to the next guy. This was an issue for the team last year, and I'd say that's going to be my biggest disappointment uh, going forward if they don't clean that up, if they don't reinforce the message to these guys that you you want to wait for the pitch that you can do damage against, and you don't want to be over eager. Um, otherwise. You're gonna have you're gonna have some games like on what we saw last night on Tuesday against Luis Castillo. Uh, he he dominated them like he didn't face much drama whatsoever in that game, and he has filthy stuff. Uh, the Marlins know that up close because he used to be a Marlins prospect. They traded away, but that's the one thing I'm looking for really from several guys. And uh, I don't know how much I, I put it on the players themselves, but um, maybe even the coaches have to have a say in. Uh, reinforcing like good habits with these guys and developing them into well-rounded hitters because you you look at all the best players in this league and and they're ones that know how to just pass the baton they put the trust in their teammates to drive them in if they don't have a shot to do damage uh, and it's going to be really important for the fans too to have a team that's respectable at the plate because um, that's one thing that the average fan looks for is a, t- a team that can actually produce runs rally back from deficits and this team has had a really great fighting spirit early on but the fact that they're not pulling out these games it has a lot to do with the fact that they're not getting on base in the first place so 
I'm hoping they make that adjustment as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. What you're saying, hands down, I'm, I'm completely 100, 100% on board with. Um, these guys really got to get better with runners in, runners in scoring position. They're falling short a lot. And, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy to see that Alfaro's uh, the leader in home runs and RBIs. And it's just because he had that one game where he hit the two bombs. If it weren't right. for that, you know. Uh, I mean, he, it, even if he didn't have those two home runs, he would still be the leader in RBIs. How crazy is that? Um, so second behind him is Sterling Castro with two home runs and four RBIs. These, these guys definitely need to regroup, be more patient. Uh, I don't know. Donnie Baseball has got to do something, talk to these guys. They, they got to preach something different. Before they were talking about Barry Bonds, he wasn't doing a very good job. Um, let's, let, let's see some more. Let's preach some more patience to these young guys for sure, you know. Uh, last year, you see that they stuck with Brinson. He went through rough stretches, and you're thinking, "Hey, why don't they send him down? Why don't they send him down?" You know, now they're now they're showing with O'Brien that they're gonna go through this rough patch too. You know, with the thing with O'Brien is that you 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 he can go on a hot stretch and start hitting home runs left and right for two three games, but how many home runs? How many how many of these guys on the roster right now are currently on pace to hit strike out more than two hundred times? You know, um, yeah. the, the fish. The fish got to kind of, you know, right now, Martin Prado's a bright side. He's been healthy. He's back yeah. four, four I, seven. I should have mentioned him. I didn't want to go that long without mentioning him because what he's doing, it, it's he's not playing every single day. Uh, he's going to start playing more often, though, if he keeps hitting like this, entering tonight at 476. And uh, I, I kind of joked, uh, I'm trying to be respectful to him, but he's, he's not at a stage of his career where he's going to hit the ball over the wall. He's not a guy that's going to leg out a triple. And he's not a guy that's going to steal bases. And he's not a guy that's really going to bring all that much defensive value because of just the toll that these knee injuries, quad, hamstring, all these leg injuries have had over the years. Uh, He's a somewhat limited player. But the fact is, if he just hits the ball hard, he hits it to all fields, and he he just makes contact, he's a really interesting player. And uh, a guy that what you see in sports is how players will, as a veteran, it's so important that you actually produce if you want to have a loud voice. If you want to have an impact on the other guys in this clubhouse, you need to have the production to back that up. They need to see you actually performing well and to really listen to the advice that you give them uh, rather than just warming the bench. And the fact that he's producing, this being his last year with the team, or at least his last year under contract and, and probably his last year with the team, it's that's been a really refreshing surprise. And it, it bodes well for the fact that is the young guys on this team will have maybe a little, they see a little bit more credibility in him. The fact that he's part of the production that's going on right now. And uh, he was a guy that in the prime of his career was a really valuable player. Uh, not, not a superstar by any means, but just really consistent everyday player. And the fact that he's, he's not going to be an everyday player again, but he's doing everything you could possibly want in the role. And that's why he's still on this team. And uh, I don't know if that makes him tradable later in the year, but uh, as someone that's just doing the most with his role, that's that's been a really pleasant surprise. And I think that's more than that's certainly more than I could have expected from him. Absolutely, man. Martin Prado, thirty-five years old, and he's came in and and he's done what what the Marlins have asked for him. You know, he's been a, a great example. He's been a leader. Unfortunately, yeah, he's been hurt. Um, but this is a, this has been a guy throughout his whole career that you can put him anywhere. You know. He's known for his time in Atlanta when they were in Atlanta this past series. Fans got up, gave him a standing ovation. The only time they didn't give him an ovation was when uh, 
he came up and the bases were loaded, right? <laughs> the base fans didn't want to see him deliver with a base hit. Um, but yeah, man, Martin Prado's he's he's been that great veteran leader in this clubhouse. Like he's been through a lot of stuff. A lot of these Marlins, very few Marlins are left of the old regime, and uh, a, a guy that really turned who who accepted the mold of Martin Prado, essentially turning into like a Martin Prado 2.0 is Miguel Rojas. You see, you never would have thought this young kid, you know, he was a, a, a young slick fielding shortstop second baseman. And you didn't think you thought that was it. Now they're playing him at third at first. And heck, if they need to, I know that they can give Miggy Rowe an outfield glove and he can go play center field if it's needed to, you know, and he's one of these guys that you just love. He's making an impact in the community and, you know, He's batting 280 right now, Miguel Rojas. Uh, he's playing stellar defense, and he's just contributing. He's bringing that loose, that loose energy. He's, he's, the, he's the creator of the rally monkey, you know? And just looking at these two guys, these two Venezuelan guys, the presidents in the clubhouse, you look at the, at the way that the players look at them, they talk to them, and the knowledge and how they pick each other's brains, and that's what it's about. It's about interacting with, with these guys in the clubhouse and picking each other's brains because at the end of the day, these guys – they're older than you. They've been through this, and they know what it's like to go through rough stretches. They're telling guys like, "Hey, don't worry about that. You're going 0 for 20. You'll bounce back tomorrow, kid." You know what I'm saying? Oh, you got an error? Don't worry about it, kid. Go up to the plate and get a base hit. And that's how you got to go about it, man. That's that's a perfect example. These guys are doing it. The the we might be three and eight, but the foundation's there. They're building this. They're building the building right. It's not built out of toothpicks it, it, it can resist a hurricane a, cat, a category five hurricane you know what i mean just because <laughs> you're building it the right way yeah um, the question now is if martin keeps playing the way he plays if he keeps it up he'll, he'll play his way out of miami there's there's gonna be a club that's gonna call up and hey say hey miami what's up what do you want for martin you know maybe the yankees might need him the Yan- the yankees are banged up right now um but who knows? I, you know, that's further towards July. You can only wish the best for the captain. Uh, you don't know if this might be his last year. This is a guy trying to prove himself. He's trying to show he's got something left in the tank. And by God, he's playing like he's got something left in the tank right now. The thing that was a little confusing last year is that they didn't do all that much at the trade deadline at all. That um, was entering that year kind of not all that much different than in this year where they understand where they are in the rebuild and that, some of the veteran players you would think that have value to other teams, you would think they would be more aggressive in pursuing those trades. And they only made a couple of them at the deadline last year. So that's something that I would expect to change this year. I'm not certain of it, but they, they have these guys, whether it's Prado or Granderson or Neil Walker or some of their relievers like Sergio Romo, whether it's even like the most experienced starter in Jose Orenia, who is really struggling right now, but July is a long way away you would think that they're going to be a little bit more active this year, just especially because knowing inside their division, how hungry all four of those teams are to make a play the playoffs this year and um, how their, their fan bases are going to react if they fall short and how they should probably be doing everything possible to fill those little roster holes. And the Marlins do have a lot of those guys that even if their team doesn't put together and win all that many games, they have all these spare parts that I think would draw interest from other teams. Uh, but now I want to look ahead a little bit. Uh, once the Marlins finish up the series against the Reds, they come back home for their second homestand of the year. It's one of their longest homestands of the year. They play three different series, but the one that we're really fixated on is the first one. It's coming up this weekend against the Phillies, who have gone off to a great start. 
who have uh, one of the more marketable players in baseball and Bryce Harper and who have an old friend of everybody around here. That's JT Real Muto. And he's being their prime catcher. And we're making a big event out of it on that season open, that series opener on Friday night, calling it Fish Stripes Night and having a special deal with the Marlins. You can find all the information about that on the website about how to get discounted tickets and a free giveaway if you get home plate box seats. We're making a big event out of it uh, because at a time where uh, there aren't that many big events on the schedule this year, that certainly seems to be one of them. Um, you're going to be at that game, and I'm curious what you think about what the reception will be to JT from the fans. Uh, the first time when he's introduced on the scoreboard uh, prior to the game, the first time he comes up to bat, and depending what he does at the plate, uh, how do you think the fans will react knowing that he was really one of the most productive players that this team has had over the last handful of years? He was an all-star this past year for the first time and what a lot of us think should have been multiple times as an all-star, but he was a really productive player. At the end of it, he made it clear, at least through his agent, that he was time for a different chapter in his life and to move on. How do you think he's going to be received by the fans and just you personally? like, How do you feel about seeing him on a division rival this year and potentially for years to come. JT Rahul. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. JT Ramuto, man. And the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm not going to lie to you. I saw the game uh, between Philadelphia and the nationals the other night and it just felt weird seeing them catching the Phillies. And, uh, man, uh, how can, how can we expect? Well, Marlins fans, I think there'll be a little bit of everything, right? You'll, you'll have your Marlins fans there. That'll, you know, give him a round of applause, and then you'll have your hurt Marlins fans that'll be yelling at him that he's a big crybaby. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be a little bit of everything. I think there's going to be a lot of Philly fans there. Obviously, everybody's going to want to go and see Bryce Harper and the Philadelphia Phillies. They're, they're one of the contenders in, in the National League and definitely in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, as far as what he does, I hope he goes up there and he strikes out every single time. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't seem that likely. I think he's. I think he's a little too good for that. But he, he, at least, let's see. Then Friday night, it's going to be Sandy that he's facing, and Sandy. Yeah, when Sandy is on, you know, he could dominate. We saw that in his first start of the year. So maybe, maybe everything's clicking, and he yeah gets that kind of result. Hey, who knows what happens, man? These guys might be pumped, pumped up to see JT. You know, now they have Alfaro behind the plate, and that that whole Spanish connection takes it to another level. I know. Don't be surprised if Tyrone hits over 104, 105. Uh, Dr. K gets lined up for Saturday. He's going he's gonna to strike out Bryce. I, I know he's going to strike out JT a, a few more times. Um, and then on, on Sunday, it rounds up with Urania. Uh Yeah, I think JT, will, they'll have a cool series. They, they might be able to they, – they might be able to. No, they're definitely going to take two out of three from the Marlins. They got to look to avoid the sweep. Um, I know that Sandy's going to go and pitch a very good game, and so is Dr. K. but. Just knowing how it's going this season, we're going to commit some bonehead move similar to something that, that, that these guys don't try to do. But somehow, some way, it's going to happen because we got to learn from these growing pains. And th these are like errors that happen to our players that those are errors that should only happen once. You learn from them and you rebound. Hopefully that they can, they can take that and uh, they can rebound moving forward. I, I can't wait till these guys start clicking. I mean, looking at this schedule – the schedule's intense. The first the first month of the season, we faced the Mets, the Braves, Cincinnati. Cincinnati would have been a good time to go in there and take a sweep if we had a chance at a sweep, just looking at the month overall. After this, we got the Phillies. After that, we got the Cubs, the Nats, 
the Indians, the Phillies again, and the Indians again. So it's it's not going to get any easier. Got to get it together. Hopefully they start clicking. Hopefully we see some better at-bats out of uh, Peter O'Brien. Lewis Brinson can finally figure it out at the plate. He's been hitting the ball very well. StatCast says that he's been hitting the balls on point. He's been getting on top of them, but the balls haven't dropped. Hopefully, you know, Brian Anderson can be that guy that we need him to be. He can be that right-handed Nick Johnson. You know what I'm saying? Preach, go up there, look for something good to hit in and not. Take your walk, man. Don't worry about it. JT Riddle, man, I was at the at the grocery store, and some guy came up to me. He's like, listen to me, bro. JT Riddle's the truth. He's the best guy on the Marlins. And that just threw me out. I was like, whoa, I didn't expect that, right? You, you don't hear that every day. But you hope for the best out of JT Riddle. He's finally getting the opportunity to you know, the platoon rolling him with Miggy, Miggy Rowe. And uh, that, that doesn't mean anything, man. It's baseball. They put him against a left-handed, left-handed pitcher, and he went yard against them. And this guy just needs an opportunity to play. So these guys are going to get opportunities to play, but they got to play the game the right way. They got to know how to seize the opportunity. They got to get hits with runners in, scoring, in scoring position. They got to go up there thinking it's 3-2. I'm thinking base hit, ball four. I'm not just swinging at everything. I'm not hacking on everything, you know. Um, what else can I tell you, man? Well, I want to switch gears uh, because I think we've squeezed everything we can out of the first 11 games of the year because as, as much as we want to like form opinions, it is like such a tiny sample. This stuff changes mm-hmm. all the time. And just because it was the first 11 games doesn't mean it's, it really just determines anything about who these players are and what they're going to do. Uh, what I wanted to switch gears to is I want to address a question that I constantly get on Fish Tribe's official accounts um, about – the new ball, it's not a, it, it is, it's the same ballpark, but it's not the same. It's an enhanced Marlins park this year. Um, uh, the figures just came out today, actually, from uh, Wells Duesenberry of the Sun Sentinel that the Marlins spent about $15 million over the offseason on these enhancements. Uh, everybody has seen the pictures. They know uh, most notably that the home run sculpture is gone. Uh, they know that the colors have changed. And then there are just a host of other differences to the ballpark. I am based in New York. I have not been to the ballpark yet. I hope to be there this season. But there are a lot of fans that don't live directly in South Florida that want to go to games this year. There's some that are in South Florida, and um, they, they're procrastinating. They haven't gone to the ballpark yet, but maybe they might be interested in this coming homestand or later in the year. And they want to know what the new Marlins Park is like. And you're a great guy to tell them because you saw it uh, as early as anybody did. You were... Uh, on a media tour right before opening day you were covering opening day and you've been at several games since opening day and you're going to go to a lot of games um this coming weekend and throughout the year uh so i wanted to start with what the difference in the appearance of the ballpark is when you step in marlins park um and you look around just the aesthetics and the visuals what is the difference from a year ago in 2018 what's a new park look like to the eye Besides the Yankee blue walls, man, it feels like a baseball stadium. Jesus, it's so gorgeous. You walk in there, man, and it's just like you have little kiosks with Marlins gear rocking the Miami blue and the Caliente red and the slate, and they got, like, sophisticated jackets, like, stuff that you're like, whoa, dude, they got express printed shirts. This is crazy. Like, I never thought that Express would even collaborate with the Marlins. I don't know if Jeter has anything to do with that, but the marketing team, they're killing it. Like the when I see them on social media, like the pictures and everything, it makes me want to go to the ballpark. And I'm thinking, why are people not here, man? The cheapest ticket to Marlins Park is ten dollars. You go into the social, the social is basically in right field. That's where section one was. 
and you just stand up over there. You can eat you a, a hot dog, have a beer, enjoy chit chat with the people. You can make your way towards center field. You can make it to where the Auto Nation Alley is now that replaced the La Tremenda Mierda sculpture, Homer. So, you know, I know a lot of people are happy to see that gone because it was just weird. It wasn't, it wasn't, it took us five years to really accept the orange, right? And I think it took all of South Florida five years to really accept this junk jumping around when we hit a home run, right? And I think we really embraced right. it because Giancarlo was chasing 60 home runs, right? But besides that, it wasn't, it didn't feel like baseball. I remember walking into Marlins Park and it was like, wow, it just hurt your eyes watching the lime green on the walls, man. It was like green on the field, green on the walls. And it was just like, you were just looking at too many colors. <laughs> you had the red, the State Farm red. It was just like, wow, it was too much. And uh, you just look at it now, it's just gorgeous, man. Like you see the Ivy walls and it's just, you thought Ivy before and you thought Wrigley Field. It's like, Wrigley what? No way, Marlins Park, this is it. Like I love how they made the whole connection with the stairs. You can literally go from Auto Nation Alley down to the Clevelander. You can interact, you can go grab a drink, you can go to the pool, you can see the guys in the bullpen. They move the Marlins again to that to that side. So the Marlins are on that bullpen area next to the Clevelander. And you can actually see these guys. And it's great because before you know it, you're having a beer and here comes a home run ball. So there's not there's not a there's not a better view in baseball now than those upgrades than Marlins Park. Uh, everywhere you're at in that stadium, you've got a great view. Tickets, again, they're super cheap from ranging from ten bucks to a hundred bucks is like the, the most expensive. And if you want to spend a hundred bucks and you wanna sit behind in, in the in the Dex Club, it's definitely worth it. The food, something different every day. Uh, we spoke to the chef, Chef Michael. Oh my goodness, he's promising us like a one food, something different every single day. That's that, that's not common. You know what I'm saying? You're coming to my, so you're coming to Marlins Park. You're coming to Miami. We're gonna give you the Miami experience. We're gonna give you a real legit Cuban sandwich. We're gonna give you uh, truffle fries and all this crazy stuff. And they even got vegan stuff too. Um, right. The the one of my favorite places there is uh, El Mercadito. Right. It's this like little kiosk store that replaced the U Health gym. And literally, you just walk in there, and I was in a rush. That was one of my days off. I went and grabbed a couple snacks 10 minutes before first pitch, grabbed a beer, grabbed the juice, boom, perfect. That was, it was no lines, and it was very convenient. All, all they really needed was to use uh, Apple Watches, you know what I mean, to, to use your wallet. You didn't have to pay any right. money or anything. But besides that, man, everything's very convenient. You got food for everybody. They got vegan stuff. They got ceviche. They got Novacentos. They got like sophisticated stuff. They got Miami's best, best pizza. They got rid of Papa John's. Um, obviously, everybody knows because of that scandal, but uh, I don't want to get off topic. Uh, yeah, what else has changed? The Dex. Oh, the, what was formerly known as Diamond Club. Uh, it was nice. It was very nice. But this year, is, is they made it so much more spacious. It's, they made the walls brown. Uh, it's actually wooden and, and it's very sophisticated and the attention's different. It definitely feels different. And they, they made it to the, to the part where they opened up so much the area where you eat and you dine that you can actually have dinner. And while you're having dinner, you can see the players warming up him to tea. You know, right. and they're, just, they're just getting it in before the game starts. And how exciting is that? Before you didn't, you didn't have that because it was, it was, uh, it was divided by a, a glass wall. 
right? So there was, you could see the players, but you couldn't see them as, as up close as you do now. It's pretty surreal. Well, yeah, I was going to break that up into a few different questions. Like look at the sites, talk about the fight sites, then talk about the food, then talk about the different seating areas, but you got it all covered, right? You yeah, my bad, right dude. <laughs> my bad, dude. When I get going, I just get going, you know? <laughs> I'm just yeah, excited so, to get out that information to everybody, man. And I just, I, it's a little bit disappointing to look around, man. There's only 7,000, 9,000 fans at the stadium, 11,000 fans at the stadium, and South Florida needs to get over their feelings, man. This is definitely a great time to jump on board with the Marlins. The Dolphins are starting from scratch. The Heat are starting from scratch. The Panthers are starting from scratch. So you guys really need to hop on board now, man. This is the perfect time to fall in love with the fighting fish, the Florida Marlins, our Miami Marlins. And uh, what can you say? Oh, that you want the turquoise back, man? You can't tell me that. And now look at this Miami blue and don't tell me that's not that close, man. Because this is the perfect time to jump on board because, yeah, the, the teal colors, they brought us a lot of good memories. They brought us championships. The orange, the orange phase, the orange era didn't bring us so much joy, you know, um, besides Jose and, you know, that MVP. But we didn't, have, we didn't have winning seasons. And now we're making this transition back to the blue. And you got to understand what Jeter and Sherman are trying to do, that they're trying to separate themselves. But at the same time, they're, they're trying to remember the history in the past. They're just trying to make a mark. They're not trying to leave a stain like Jeffrey Lawyer. And that's what it's about at the end of the day, man. You want to leave a mark into this community. The Mons are really embracing the community. They're starting to reach outside. They, they had the T-Ball Invitational for the kids uh, announced this past weekend. And you just love seeing that, man. You love seeing them going out of their way, really going out to the community and trying to make an effort. They're, they're really trying to plant seeds in the, in the next generation of fans. Unfortunately, there's fans that are hurt that don't want to jump by, back on board and you know, there's only so much that you can preach to them, but you got to keep thinking about tomorrow because what's tomorrow? The kids of tomorrow, that's the future. And those are the next Marlins fans that we got to look up to, man. And, and that's what we got, man. I, I would have never thought, you know, wow, I'm here. I'm working, covering the Marlins, and, and I love it. Like, I thought about this stuff as a, a 12 and a 13-year-old, and now I got 12, 13, 14, 15-year-olds hitting me messages up like, hey, you really work for the Marlins and what's it like? And it's like, hey, man, just chase your dreams. Go out there and make it happen. And what better way to make it happen than with these Miami Marlins, you know? Yeah, and what you were saying when you skated over is it, that important choice that they made, like, with this rebrand is that they they want to do something new. They want to, like, keep moving forward. And there was a lot of there was a lot of outcry for people to, like, embrace the past a little bit more, not not the recent past, you know, when they've been losing – and dysfunctional and you know making all the bad headlines and offending their fans but just embracing what happened with the championship years and some of the fan favorites that have happened that have really influenced this team and that people continue to hold dear and they've they've tried to um they've really chosen that path where they want to totally rebrand like what it means to be the Marlins, uh, something completely new that at the same time, if you do look closely enough, yeah, you see a lot of the positives uh, that made this team really likable back in the day, whether it's in the color scheme, you see subtle things in there um, that, that really represent Miami. And I mean, it's really complicated. I mean, again, the bottom line is that they, this new administration from Derek Jeter to business operations and chip Bowers and uh, the holdover, Michael Hill, um, they did not have a lot to work with with this organization. You just you had a lot of fans that, as you mentioned, were hurt one way or another by either the performance of the team or by um, the way that the team went about its business. 
from year to year and how they appropriated public money and all that. And uh, it's been, they've, it's a long way like to building it into something that's really sustainably successful. And for right now, the attendance is, is rough, as you said, from that opening homestand averaging less than 10,000 a game. Um, and it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's still going to be a while until this really turns the corner. But uh, that's what we're going to do at Fish Traps, right? We're going to be following the entire process and we're going to be keeping track of how that progression goes. And it's not always a linear path. It, it's not always one step forward uh, every single day, but we're going to be staying on top of it and hopefully, hopefully seeing that it does lead somewhere that this organization really hasn't been before. They've won the championships, but they haven't been in that position where they're set up with a core of guys that are can succeed year after year and at creating the Marlins as a destination where reinforcements want to come where from little kids growing up to the most established veteran free agents they're uh, yeah they're trying to make it into something that uh, that Miami hasn't had before and if they succeed in that then obviously you're going to see the fan base stronger than ever absolutely man you said it best yourself man a lot of people they don't realize what a what a great job Bruce Sherman, Derek Jeter, Gary Dembo, Chip Bowers, and all of them have done. You know, every season that's going by, every month that's going by right now, um, that every loss it just means that we're getting closer to the future. It's, you know, we're getting closer to seeing guys like Gallon in the big league, Sixto Sanchez, Edward Cabrera, Braxton Garrett, Guzman, Holloway. Man, the list goes on and on. And it's the first time that you really look at this this franchise, and we got so much starting pitching depth. It feels good, man. It feels good to moved from 29th, 27th last year to now we're ranked 13th, you know, lucky 13th today. So you don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully these guys can get it together with some bats. And it feels good as a fan in the sense that you talk to these players now and you ask guys like Louis, Louis Brinson, hey, how does it feel to rock out that Marlins uniform? And he says that he dreams about it. He wears number nine because of guys like Juan Pierre. And yeah, they started off wrong and and Jeter came in and cleaned out the house, per se. He left a, a couple pieces here and there, but you got to give the guy credit. He's he's doing the whole Demolo ca- campaign like you touch base, and they're continuing to listen, man. Um, they're doing a great job, and this is just the beginning. You know, I know people were upset that hey, maybe we could have used pinstripe pinstripe unis, but if you would have thrown that one out, you know, it's like oh, but he started with the blue walls. What are we, the Yankees of the South? Right. <laughs> so yeah, little by little, man. Like now, I look at it like now we have uniforms, we have. We have history. We've been around for 26 years. We've got two championships. You look around, man, there's been teams that haven't won in over 100 years. The Cubs, you know, they went – how long did they go? 109 years without winning anything? And, 108, you know, yeah. Yeah, 108 years. Thank God we don't have to go through something like that, you know? So I try to tell the Rays fans and and all over Florida, you know, that they're upset, that, oh, that the Marlins – that they broke their heart. But, hey, aren't you upset that the Rays broke your heart too? They went to the World Series and choked, man. Don't get mad at the Marlins because they choked. At least the Marlins gave you two two, two happy nights. We win two championships, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to be chronicling every step of that process, uh, building the Marlins up into a sustainable contender, trying to earn back the trust of fans they used to have, and even expanding the fan base probably larger than it's ever been before. Uh, was a, we want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode of Fish Bites. Expect a lot more of it on, on a consistent basis throughout the regular season with a variety of co-hosts, not just me and Alex. Uh, remember to continue listening to our other pod shows, Earning Their Stripes, A Ball with Eric Ose. Uh, we hope to see you guys at Fish Stripes Night. Details 
are in the podcast description as well as on fishstripes.com. Uh, fishstripes.com obviously has everything we do, all the articles, all the debates, and all the podcast episodes are posted over there. Just everything you could think of covering the Marlins on a daily basis, around the clock, all year round. And we'll check in with you guys again soon, hopefully with the team playing a little bit better uh, and with a whole new batch of storylines going on. In the meantime, go fish. <laughs>